Hello and welcome to the Optimum Perspectives podcast. My name is Nick Bastin and I'm a Managing Director at Optimum. For today's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Stephanie Seals-Gabitas, one of the founders of Ariana Smiles, our chosen charity for the year. Ariana Smiles is a special named fund at the Children's Cancer and Leukemia Group. Set up by Chris and Stephanie Seals-Gabitas, the fund is named after their daughter Ariana, who was five years old when in November 2020 she was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. They are raising funds for research into precision oncology medicine for leukemia that is tailored to children's needs. Their ultimate aim is to use targeted immunotherapy to treat blood cancers in a way which is more patient-friendly and which will lead to fewer long-term side effects. So welcome, Stephanie. We're delighted to have you with us. Can you tell us a little bit about Ariana Smiles and the circumstances that led you to found it? Hello, Nick. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, so Ariana Smiles is a special named fun with the Children's Cancer and Leukemia Group. A few months into Ariana's diagnosis, I felt a strong need to do something positive and to outward focus rather than focusing completely on what just felt like a tragedy for us. Um, and as parents, we had very, very little control over what was happening to her. So I think any element that I felt that I could control, that's what I looked for. And I spoke to our oncologist at the Royal Marsden, what he suggested, who was actually making the big advances at the medical level. There are a lot of amazing charities that do so much good work I mean, supporting families, supporting the children for fun days out, things like that. But I, I really wanted to change at the root of what was happening to these children. And he, without hesitation, he suggested CCLG because they're the ones actually creating the protocols for children's cancer treatments. And they have these special funds that if researchers around the country have an idea of something they want to try, they will apply for funds through CCLG and then they could potentially get assigned and then massive breakthroughs can be made. And that's what we wanted to be involved with. And then the name itself is based on the fact that Ariana just smiled her way through treatment. I don't know quite how she did that, but it seemed even on her worst days, she could bounce back and laugh and giggle and smile. And it just felt like a really positive name for a fund. Yeah, it's definitely very, very inspiring. Um, could, could you tell us a little bit more about um, acute lymphoblastic leukemia? And you know, is it a common disease among children? It's actually the most common cancer in children. Um, it's it is a cancer of the blood, specifically the white blood cells. In simple terms, it just starts with one mutated cell, which replicates quite quickly. It fills the bone marrow with the cancerous cells and it pushes out the healthy cells. Um, so it's acute because it starts quickly. It shows itself pretty quickly in children. And if they don't act quickly on treatment, it's devastating. So their goal for ALL is to have children within remission into remission within 29 days. So it's a very different kind of cancer, I think, from the traditional tumor-based cancers we think of in adults. It is um, from the day that we arrived and she got her diagnosis, we didn't come home for almost a month. You know, it's immediately into hospital. It's immediate port placement. It's immediate chemo starting because it's such an aggressive disease. But it's about 30% of all childhood cancers are actually leukemia. Wow. And um, that's, you know, terrible to hear. But um, how did you establish your partnership with the Children's Cancer and Leukemia Group? Well, after we spoke with our consultant, I contacted CCLG specifically about their special named funds. And I was a bit hesitant to begin with because I noticed a lot of the funds on their site were actually created in memory 
of a child. And I thought, am I, am I really testing fate here? I'm contacting them about five months into Ariana's treatment, which went on for two and a half years of chemo. That this is early, but I'm going to know it's fine. I'm going <laughs> to think positively and hopefully. And they were, they were lovely, really helpful. And in some ways, starting the fund while we were in the midst of the worst part of treatment was important because we saw how grueling that process is. And it was so fresh in our mind at the time, what's actually needed, what needs to change. Because I think now that we're on the other side of treatment, it's very easy to kind of start to shut that part of your brain off and almost try to forget what you've just gone through. So that was important for me to kind of live in that moment and say, no, actually we can't forget what's happening because children need this to change. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's definitely a very inspiring story that you could take that on when you're going through such incredibly difficult times. You're obviously focused on supporting research to help children get the, the right cancer medicines they need. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're doing that? Well, we're still in the funds raising part of the process, but our goal is for precision, better precision oncology for the future. I mean, we, we know everything we're doing now isn't going to help Ariana, and we knew that when we set up the fund, it's all about kind of paying it forward for the parents who've done this previously. And it's about each set of families in some ways continuing on with this process. And, you know, it is mostly family funded. People who've been touched by this specifically are the ones raising the most money rather than the government contributing or even big corporations contributing. It's those who've been touched by this tragic illness of about 80 different kinds of children's cancers. You know, leukemia is just one. There's so many kinds and they all need their own specific help and research. So our goal is to just make it more targeted, but we're keeping an eye on what's changing because things are changing quite quickly in the cancer world. Absolutely. And and you obviously felt strongly about the type of treatment that Ariana was receiving. And, you know, can you just talk a little bit about what the problems are with the current treatments that children receive for cancer? Well, traditional chemotherapy attacks and kills rapidly dividing cells. The problem with using that sort of broad approach with children is their bodies are always in rapid cell division because they're growing and developing and they're having their normal, those normal processes wiped out. So that's a very different effect than in what it's having on adults who are, we're, we're in a much different stage of life than that. So this is why children need so something different, but we use chemotherapy for them because it's all we have. The same treatments have been used for 40, 50 years, the same drugs. Hardly any new treatments have been introduced into cancer treatments for children for 30, 40 years. The more I read into it, the more I read academic journals, I really got into my research. I found the statistics quite misleading. When we ask our oncologist, you know, what what is her prognosis? What's her survival? Is this going to affect her lifespan? This massive arsenal of horrible drugs she's going to be receiving into her tiny five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old body. How is that going to affect her for life? And the way they respond is, well, she has an 85 to 90% chance of survival of a five-year survival. And there's not much discussion beyond that five years because the studies kind of stop after that. So we know that we can help 85 to 90% of ALL leukemia children of their leukemias have a very different prognosis. But for ALL, we know that they will survive for five years. But what does that say 
after. And considering leukemia used to be a death sentence, and now we have a bit of survival rates, we're only just seeing the adults who have survived into their 70s from those initial leukemia trials that were happening in the US so many years ago. And they're now trying to unpack all the long-term effects that's had. It is quite scary when you read that. So we're talking about not just children's survival, but how can they thrive in life without organ damage and you know, cognitive development issues because caused by the chemo and, you know, I mean, heart damage caused by doxorubicin, which is a particular drug at the moment. They're trying to see if they can slightly phase out. They are trying to tweak things, but it happens also slowly. And really, I think the the focus needs to be moved towards immunotherapy, genome research, which is what we're trying to focus on with our fund. Absolutely. And have you seen any advances that are being made or that are in the pipeline um, regarding more genomically targeted cancer treatments for children? Well, even since Ariana was diagnosed, the human genome has been fully mapped now. So that's going to have create massive changes in cancer treatment overall for everyone. But they've started introducing more immunotherapy into frontline treatment if a child is deemed high risk enough to receive it. Things like, well, short for Blenna, I can't pronounce the whole word, but it's Blenna and it's a type of immunotherapy that seems to have great results with fewer side effects, which is very positive. We have CAR T-cell therapy starting to be used for children, which is still relatively new. And, and it, you know, the results are a bit mixed, but there are definitely positive things happening with that. There just needs to be more funding, more time, uh, more development. But I think with DNA sequencing, becoming more sensitive, they will be able to target a particular child's body with the particular drugs they know will work. But that, again, needs more funding. And there was a recent Swedish study which estimated about 25% of children, we don't actually have the equipment sensitive enough to even put them into a risk category. So 25% of the children receiving treatment, they have no idea if they're receiving the right treatment or not because our equipment needs to be better. Right, so, so there's a lot of progress has been made, but a lot still to do. Yes. And thinking about your funding target, you know, what will that help to deliver if you're able to achieve your, your funding goal? Well, our funding goal is 100,000. We're just under 50 at the moment. Getting to 100,000 is kind of the entry level of where it opens us up for researchers to be able to kind of apply for that funding to fund whatever avenue they want to look at, but within within our goals. So we kind of have a say in that along with CCLG. Sometimes if there are a couple of funds that have similar goals, they could potentially combine those funds in order to achieve that goal. So we're just waiting to get more funds in really so we can start having those discussions. I mean, we're really pleased that we've managed to raise £50,000 while she was still on treatment because, (laughs) you know, and that's been through the process of, you know, our school held a ball and we got half the charitable funds raised and people have dived out of planes, run marathons, you know, charity dinners, lunches, you know, it's been a long slog trying to get it. I think now in order to push it to that next level, we kind of need some even bigger investment to come in so that we can actually make things start to happen. Absolutely. And obviously, you've been through an incredibly emotionally draining time, I imagine, going through these kind of serious illnesses 
with one's children. You know, it's a very uh, painful, painful process. But have you got any thoughts you'd like to share with parents that are going through similar difficult situations? Oh, well, first of all, I'd say I'm sorry you've had to join this club. Um, no one applies for this membership, I will say. But if you allow yourself to be open to it, you will meet the most fantastic families and children. And they're really the only people who kind of understand what you're going through and what it's truly like. People will try in your regular life, but you will find that some people will disappear. Childhood cancer is a hard thing to witness, to be a part of. Actually, two bits of advice we received, which I think have seen us through. Our CNS at Tumberswells Hospital said to us on our very first day, you will have lots of people offer help, at least initially, and you need to say yes to everything. And she said, I know it will be hard because you will naturally want to go, no, no, I can do it. I can handle it. But she said, you will absolutely need the help because this treatment's intense. So we did. We said yes. And it actually created a wonderful community around us that then created a natural support network because those people were really invested and they cared about what happened to us and to our daughter. And then secondly, and this is the hardest thing, you have to live this journey day by day and sometimes even minute by minute because something's happening every every single second. There's always, seems to be always a treatment. There's always a temperature spiking and you have to rush to hospital. And they were very good with us at the Morrison to say, don't look too far ahead. They would give us protocol by protocol because we would be on one protocol for 52 days, for example, until we were given the next stage. They wouldn't give us the next stage and me being misprepared wanted to be given everything up front. And they said, no, it, you can't, honestly, you can't handle that. You think you can, but it's too much. So it's literally putting your feet, one foot in front of the other, walking forward and ultimately focus on your precious child who's going through this themselves because ultimately they want to be a child and they want to laugh and they want to play. So don't get so bogged down in the seriousness of it all and just play with them because there's so much joy that can actually be found on this journey and there is always light and hope. And if you start to lose that light and hope, you honestly just need to look at how resilient and brilliant your child is. Very wise words. Um, and finally, and probably most importantly, how is Ariana now? Uh, well, she had her last chemo in March of this year, 2023. She had her port removed in May. She rang the bell in front of lots of our family and friends in June. And she's back at school full time, which is great. She's having regular physiotherapy. She's had a bit of damage from the Vin Christine and steroids that she had so much of. So that's to help her leg strength, resilience, etc. And she's grown because, of course, the chemo suppressed her growth. So she kind of had a bit of a growth spurt within the first six months, which was kind of nice for her. Her hair is all back, which she loves. And she had a bit of, you know, a bit of psychosis, I think, from the steroids. They had a, such a negative effect on her. And I would say six months on, we're starting to see that lessen and get back more to the normal girl she is. Ultimately, she just really wants to live her best life now. And, you know, she talks about it and she does worry it's going to come back. She asked the doctors if it's going to come back. And I hate that my eight-year-old is thinking on that level. She shouldn't have to do that. But our goal now is to just give her the best childhood possible. 
Well, Stephanie, it's been an incredibly moving and emotional time speaking with you about uh, Ariana Smiles and the great work that you've done uh, on behalf of your daughter and those that will be suffering from this terrible disease in years to come. And thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.